No matter who you are, things in your life probably aren't going as expected, whatever that means. But the things you are doing right now, no matter what they are, that's your life. It's not a plan B. I'm your host, Madeline Mortensen, and you're listening to This Is Not A Backup Plan. Hi friends, welcome back to This Is Not A Backup Plan. I am so glad that you are here, and I am so glad that this is an audio medium and not a visual medium, because I am in the middle of moving, and I've turned off my air conditioning unit to record this so that the noise doesn't impact it, and I am so sweaty and so gross right now. I am pretty sure I'm making a lot of progress on moving, but I feel like I'm not even halfway through because I still have to finish packing up this house and then unpack the new space. So moving has turned into a lot of me lying down right now and wishing I was dead from a combination of the heat and the stress. But despite all of that, I am getting really excited about moving to Salt Lake City. Next week on Tuesday, it'll be eight years since I moved to Logan to get my undergraduate degree at Utah State. And although I haven't exclusively lived in Logan for those past eight years, it's been where I've spent most of my time and where I've invested in building a life and where I have grown so much as a person, as a professional, and I'm really excited for the next phase of my life to start. And this move to Salt Lake feels like a really good opportunity for me to grow. When I came to Utah State, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to study. I was kind of thinking that whatever I learned would be important, but that really I was planning on being a stay-at-home mom. So that was my focus and that was my hope. But time went on, I fell in love with journalism and I really gave myself permission to be a writer and to see what that would mean for my life. And so I just feel so happy when I look back at that girl I was eight years ago when I was 18. And when I think about all the things I've done for her, and when I think about the things I want to do for her in the future to help her continue to thrive and succeed, that feels really important and really exciting to me. This week's guest is a friend of mine, Katerina Elsog. Katerina and I went to high school together. She lived in my neighborhood for a little bit. And she is a delight. She runs a small business on her Instagram that is a thrifting business, which we'll talk a little bit about in this interview. We're also going to talk about her experience being one of just a few women in her master's program at Moody Bible College and her advice to people who are pursuing goals and dreams where they find themselves in a minority, what they can do to continue to believe in themselves and move forward with those things that are important to them. We're also going to talk a little bit about her thoughts for women who may want to have a deeper connection with Christianity and their faith, but feel that they have been hurt by organized religion and her thoughts for what people can do. So there are a lot of gems. I'm very excited for you to get to know Katerina better and just can't wait for you to hear this episode. All right, Katerina, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to visit with you. To get started, will you just do a brief introduction of yourself? I'm Katerina Elsog. I am from Salt Lake City, Utah, but now I live in Chicago, where I just finished a degree in pastoral studies and currently pursuing a master's in pastoral counseling. And 
I own a small business where I sell vintage and thrifted clothing. Um, you can also hire me to thrift for you, which is also super fun because I know people don't love to do the dirty work of thrifting. And so that's on Instagram. I run it there. And so that's who I am. I love, I love that. You are a very fun Instagram follow. I really enjoy both of your accounts, your personal account and your business account, and you find really good stuff. So people should definitely check you out, hire you if they need some help. Oh, I would love that. So you mentioned in your introduction that you got a master's in pastoral studies which was a very cool thing to follow you on Instagram while you were doing. I really loved when you would share things about it. Can you just tell us a little bit more about your decision to study that? And also what kind of program is that? And what was your experience? Yeah, so I did that at Moody Bible Institute, which is located downtown in Chicago. But I decided to go to Moody Bible Institute to pursue this degree because I grew up with two parents that were pastors my whole life. And faith has been super important to me. And I never thought I was going to pursue a degree um, in pastoral studies at all. But my heart really changed about three years ago. And I ended up not telling anybody that I applied. And I just wanted to see if I'd get in and see if that was something that was interesting to me. I've always been really excited by the thought of moving to Chicago. And I knew that the school was there, but I knew almost nothing about the school at all. And so I applied. That was the only school I really applied to, not really with the intentions of really going. (laughs) Applied for distance learning, ended up realizing that I was supposed to actually go to Chicago and be there physically. And that decision came just because I knew that I wanted to learn more about my faith and leadership for the church. And that's really important to me. And I just knew that I wanted to go do this thing, even though I already had been working in my church and for so many years. But it was actually really hard for me to end up there because I didn't want to go at all. (laughs) But something inside of me was telling me to go. And I ended up making it there. And It's been quite the ride ever since I got there. So cool. So I know from things you've shared that you were one of just a few women in your program. And you and the few women that were in your program, if I'm remembering correctly, you were the first women to do this program. Is that correct? Yes. I was one of six women who just graduated for the first time from this program at Moody Bible Institute, which is really crazy because I had no idea. That was one of the things I had no idea going in. I showed up to the school and started to get some immediate pushback on being a woman in pastoral. Growing up, I knew that there were people theologically on the opposite side of me, knowing that women shouldn't be in leadership or shouldn't teach on a Sunday morning, things like that. But I never knew the extent of which It was taking a toll on women and it really helped me understand why like Christianity has interacted with women in the past. It like really has helped me understand that women were allowed into the pastoral program in 2017 for the first time. Yeah. I didn't know that showing up women hadn't made it to the end to graduate just because it was so hard with it being mostly pretty much only men in the program. And 
yeah, it was the first time six of us women walked across the stage and got our diplomas back in May. So pretty exciting things. I like just feel so emotional when you say that. Like that's a really hard thing. And the fact that women had been allowed into the program in 2017, but not until 2022 that women made it through the program, that says a lot about like just the challenges that being allowed isn't necessarily enough that culture can still be a really hard part of an experience. Yeah. Yeah, you're so right about that. So tell me a little bit about your experience taking classes. Like I'm imagining there are probably lots of times where you were an only woman in the room and maybe what that experience was like for you and maybe what you learned about using your voice and like engaging in these circumstances. I don't know if you're on TikTok, but there's a trend right now of women like dancing to things men have said to them and they just fill in the blank with like in a certain space. And I've been thinking about making that (laughs) for being a woman in pastoral because, oh my goodness, I just have way too many stories to even fit into this time. Being the only woman in the room for the majority of my classes, thank goodness I finally caught up to some of the women that were ahead of me in my program. So I was in the class with them sometimes. But the majority of my classes I took, I was the only woman. I've had guys say, oh, are you taking these classes so that you can be a good pastor's wife someday? I had that said to me. A guy's wife brought in cupcakes one class and my professor said, oh my gosh, like I wish we had fresh baked cupcakes every week. Katerina, can you bring them in next week? And I was like, oh, I don't really have time to make cupcakes this next week. And he said, oh shoot, anybody else's wives? And I was like, Am I in the 1950s? Like, holy cow. And those are just like comments made, but the like systemic issues that were rooted of like men not even realizing that I didn't even speak up in most of these classes. I'm pretty vocal in my classes and I love engaging with the professor and teachers. And these classes I shied away because I was afraid of judgment I was afraid of getting emotional about topics and crying because I was like, I want them to think that I'm worthy of taking up that space. Quite literally, every single classroom, I would sit down. I love sitting in the front row in classes because it helps me stay engaged. And no one would sit in the front row with me. And then the whole second row would be empty too. And they would, all the guys that would like make a U shape around me. And like, I wasn't only taking pastoral classes. Like I was in other classes with other students and that's not how I was treated in other classes. And it just was crazy to me that it just, they didn't even know how to interact. Like I felt like I was intruding on a boys club. It was so bizarre. And it's not like even the guys in my program with me were in this program without women. Like they came in the same time as me. Like they just assumed that this was going to be their boys club. And it just was a very bizarre place to be. What helped you navigate those things? Because that's emotionally lonely and that's that can be overwhelming. Like grad school is an experience of constantly feeling imposter syndrome. And I say that as someone who went to grad school in a program with other women where like my classes are probably often 50-50 or like comparable enough that it didn't really feel like noticeable. So I know I experienced a lot of imposter syndrome and that would be very emotionally lonely. So tell me about what helped you navigate that and make it through your program and take care of yourself. Yeah. My second year there, I 
was like, okay, I want to make one genuine male friend in the pastoral program. Like I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to make one genuine friend. Like I had genuine male friends in my school, but none that were pastoral majors. And I took a class that semester called Pastoral Care of Women, which was a class created for how men can pastorally care for women. And so this class was not for me because I already knew everything we were talking about pretty much. But there were two guys in this class that, and this class was fully on Zoom. And there were two guys in this class that would always like give me the space to speak or like bounce off of a comment that I said. And this was so rare in my classes. And so I was like, okay, they're going to be my friends. I'm going after them to be their friends. And, but on Zoom, it was so difficult to like get to know them. And so I was like, I'm putting myself out there. And one of the guys ended up not coming back to, to Moody the next semester. And so I was like, so down and out. And then the second guy I like had just been, I was actually a little intimidated. I'm not normally intimidated, but I was just, these pastoral guys were just so intimidating to me. And he comes up to me and he was like, thank you so much for your input in that class last semester. And I was like, Oh, did I wasn't too much to handle. And he was like, I want to figure out how to care for women better in this program. And he actually married one of the women that was in the pastoral program with us. So he obviously is for us and caring, but I put myself out there to make one friend. And I truly, he was my only male friend upon graduation day. Also just like reminding myself why I was there. Like I was not there to impress these people. I was not there I really wasn't there to make friends with them either, but I was there because there is a call upon my life to care for people in the church and no one's allowed to tell me that I can't do that. And so that really kept me going and knowing that there were women coming behind me that I wanted to just make sure that I was leaving the department better than the way I found it. And that's why I know that women weren't making it to the finish line is because they just couldn't get there. And I wanted to get there so that women coming behind me knew like it is possible to get there and nobody's allowed to stop you or say that you don't belong there. And so that was really important to me and kept me going the whole time that I was in this program. Also, my department head was hugely instrumental in keeping me there. He was a huge champion for women One of my favorite days in class was he invited just me and the other woman in class to brunch at his house and was like, sorry, boys, you're not invited because (laughs) they haven't been invited for the last 178 years of the school being in existence. He was really instrumental and I'm really sad to say that he's leaving the school, but I'm really just hoping that he has getting a, putting in a good word for women for the next person taking over for him. That's really cool. So if you were talking to someone, maybe a friend or a peer, someone that was going to enter a program like yours where they'd be in a minority, or just a woman that was thinking about doing something where she knew that she would often find herself in those places where she might be the only one in the room, what would you say are some of the advice you'd want to tell her or some of the encouragement that you'd want to tell her? There's two things that come to mind. One is, I think, community and finding the people that really are there to cheer you on 
finding those people who are going to have your back, people that you can go and vent to, a safe space so that, that you're just not in it alone. You may be in it alone with the people around you, but you're not in it alone with your family or your friends that might have your back. And I think that's a huge thing in a place that you can just be yourself fully. Because even though I was in those classrooms, I never fully felt like myself. And so I needed those people to be encouragements to me and be there if a class was really tough for me afterwards. And then second, going along with what I said before, is just constantly be reminding yourself why you chose that program and why you're in it and the passions that you have, because those are important and you will feel like your voice isn't heard or that you don't have enough people willing to listen, but to constantly remind yourself that you, there's a reason why you love the field that you chose. And this isn't just for women or men that are alone in their fields, but this goes for racial minorities. There's so many different groups that are alone in fields. And to believe that your voice is important and impactful while people are telling you that your voice isn't impactful is really hard to do. But just hold on to understanding and believing in yourself that your voice does matter and that it will make progress for the people coming after you that may be minorities. I love that. So something you talked about is the reminding yourself of why you're choosing to do something. And in conversations we've had, I know something that's important to you is women's stories and women's voices. And if I'm remembering, I think that's part of the reason you decided to continue your education. Can you tell me a little bit about what it is about women's stories and women's voices that's important to you and and draws you to that? Yeah. I actually have a tattoo on my arm. This is really tight or else I would show you. (laughs) But it's uh, a painting, an old painting of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Eve from the story of Adam and Eve. And they're like, Eve is like touching the bump of Mary of when she's pregnant with Jesus. And it's just one of the most beautiful pictures ever. And the first time I saw that picture, I was just like, what is going on here? (laughs) Why the two of them and all of that. And I learned while at school that there is a scripture in Genesis 3.15. And it's a prophecy that a woman will bear Jesus. Like he'll come through the birth of a virgin. And it's all the way at the beginning of earth being even created by God, that he had this plan of using women in the story. And so I love this image of Eve, who was the reason that there was the downfall of man and the fact that sin entered the world. And then through the story of redemption and Mary being able to be the one who ushers Jesus into the world is just so beautiful. Like, Jesus is God. He doesn't have to come to earth through women. He didn't have to. He could have just shown up. But the fact that the story is so importantly hinges on the stories of women makes me emotional. And it makes me also a little bit angry that the stories of women in the Bible and throughout history have been watered down and not cared about and placed to the side and looked at as secondary. And I'm like, wait a second, that just seems so strange to me when I 
now I have studied God's character and I know who he is and who he says women are and how much he loves them. And the story and all the stories of women in the Bible. And so that's like hugely important to me. And I did not realize that my passion for women was so intense until I entered this program. Like I knew that I loved women. Women are great. But I was like, oh my gosh, like we have just been pushed down and pushed to the side for forever. Like literally since the beginning of time. (laughs) And that makes me so angry because that is not what God says about us. And the fact that his words are being twisted into saying that we are less than is absolutely just evil, in my opinion. I love everything that you shared. I think I've seen, maybe I haven't seen the exact representation that you have that's your tattoo, but I have seen that art before. And I just think that is just the most like touching thing, like the idea of Eve and Mary like interacting and just what that does for humanity is very beautiful to me. Something you've talked about is the way women's stories are represented in sacred texts, either the way they're written in the text themselves or the way people interpret the text, is not done, I would say, correctly. I'm trying to think of words that like aren't ter- aren't aren't like really mean. But women's stories have been done a huge disservice. And as I talk to my friends, as we've gotten older, I think many of the women that I'm around are experiencing experience of spirituality is very important to them, but there's a disconnect with what's presented to them as sacred texts and the stories that are presented to them about women. It's a source of a lot of pain, I think, for a lot of women. And I'm just wondering if in your studies and if you're learning, if there are resources you've found or ways that you've found that you feel like could be maybe comforting or empowering ways for women to approach texts or conversations or teachings that often has left them to the side in painful ways. Yes. Yes. There is one thing um, before I get to the book that I'll recommend, but there's one thing that is my favorite thing that I learned in my education at Moody. And it all has to do with Proverbs 31, which is the famous proverb that is all about like the recipe for the perfect woman and the perfect wife. And this is a passage that is like really the source of a lot of church hurt and a lot of anger. And I grew up in a great Christian home and in a church that I loved. And I still felt a little bit icky when I would read that passage and I just didn't like it. And I was, I never could relate. And I felt like it was outdated and I've also heard it just translated into terrible ways of it being the recipe for a good wife. And I was in a class that we were learning about how the Bible was translated and it became the way it is today. And my teacher put up the order of the Hebrew Bible and how it differs from the English Bible. And he said, there's clues and context clues that we get that we miss when we read it in the order that it was written in or it was supposed to be read in versus how it is now. And he said, here's one really big one. And he goes, does anybody know what Proverbs 31 is about? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's the recipe for the good wife. And I said it very condescendingly because I obviously had been hurt by this passage. And he said, yes. And where is it located in the story? of the Bible. And I'm like looking at it and he goes, don't you think it's a little strange that Proverbs would end with this passage? It's a bizarre chapter to end with because you have all these other Proverbs about wisdom. And this one makes sense for like the middle. It doesn't make sense to end it. 
And he goes, but look at what book is next. As if you're you're ending the book with this chapter and then you're entering a new one. And the book that was next was the book of Ruth. And Ruth is a story all about like this woman who takes care of her mother-in-law in her old age, doesn't get married for a long time, and then meets the man of her dreams and they live a very simple and sweet and beautiful life. And she is just a beautiful image of a, a great wife that is a homemaker and she makes the money for the household and makes the food. And he goes, don't you think it's important that we were, we got to read this beautiful proverb about a wife and then it leads into the story of Ruth. And I'm like, that kind of makes sense. And he said, who wrote Proverbs? And I said, Solomon. And he goes, and who was Solomon's grandma? And I was like, Ruth. (laughs) And it was all these things were clicking in my mind of, if God were to task you with writing the chapter of wisdom on a godly woman, of course, you're going to choose somebody in your life that, that is really inspirational to you. And of course, he's going to draw upon Ruth. And so I went back and read Proverbs 31 in the eyes of this being about Ruth. And he, my teacher was so great in saying, like, this isn't a recipe for what all women need to check off this box of being a good homemaker and making the money for the family and being a good cook and being a seamstress. Like, that's not the recipe for being a woman. But this is an example of what a godly woman is. And he said, even Mary, the mother of Jesus, doesn't check off these boxes. And like she's revered as one of the most holy women who have ever lived. And she doesn't even check off the boxes that the Proverbs 31 woman does. And so my heart and passion now has been, what else has been misinterpreted? And I don't know if that passage has been misinterpreted, but just shared wrong. Like, it's been twisted to put women down or put women in a box. And like what else in the Bible has been like that? There's so many other examples that I can think of. And I'm sure that this is happening for other texts and other stories in history. And there's a book that I love. And if you're specifically struggling with your faith as it pertains to Christianity, it's called The Making of Biblical Womanhood. And it came out in 2020, I believe. And it's all about the things like that, where she is deep diving on the real meaning and the real text and the original language and the stories and the context that we're missing to help us understand that these women were very empowered and not just side characters in this quest that we know of, but rather called and highly revered and loved by God. And so... That is one of the greatest books, and I am reading it for the third time now because I just keep soaking up the goodness in it. I love when you find a book like that. I have a few books that I keep rereading because I feel like every time I read them, there's something new, there's something very comforting, and so I really appreciate your recommendation. How is your Master of Pastoral Care going to build upon the things that you did in your first master's degree? Like, how is that going to help you as you continue to seek out women's stories and their voices and continue on this journey that you feel pulled to? I'm really excited about it because this is the more counseling and like personal leadership 
aspects of, of pastoral care, which I just feel like I didn't get enough of in my first program. And so I just wanted to learn more. And pastoral counseling is just something that is really great and needed more. And especially from women, like we've got a lot of male pastors in the U S and in the world. And as great as they are, the good ones, at least like they only can understand and care for the church from the point of view of a man. And that's something too, that I learned so much about is like the female aspect and the female point of view and the, just our understanding and how we've been shaped by the world is so important to care for the church body. And the fact that it's been the majority male voices that have been caring for the church has, is like very sad to me. I feel like we're missing a huge aspect of what God has called us to. And even who God is, if we're both created in God's image, then Therefore, we can't be left out of that conversation, especially the female point of view. And something that I love even in the Bible is that every time Jesus is talking about the church, it is female imagery that he uses every single time. And that goes to show that the church is supposed to be a place of compassion and a place of love and a safe place to rest and a safe place to be. And men are capable of creating spaces that are comforting and safe. But as you mentioned before, like so many women have felt hurt by the church and I'm like, yeah, you've been hurt by men. And that is really hard for me to be a woman in this space and take that on and saying you have a misrepresentation of what the church is supposed to be because you've only gotten it from the point of view of male leadership. And so That's something that is super important to me as I'm entering this next degree is like women need to be occupying this space so that there's a balance of ways that we can care for the church. And the stats are saying that 60% of churches are women and that single moms are taking their kids to church, but single dads aren't. And families are going to church without their husbands and that more often when children leave the home, that it's girls that are willing to continue seeking out their faith. And like women are run, are the backbone of the church. They are running the church. And so the fact that there's just not women in the biggest decision-making areas is really sad to me. And so that's why it's important to me. And the counseling aspect of everyone needs to be counseled and There's always something that a pastor needs to step into, whether that's a wedding or a funeral or anything in between. Just more female voices. That's important to me. I love that. Is there anything else you've wanted to share or that's come to mind that you haven't had an opportunity to? Just to sum up all those thoughts of if you have been questioning your faith or just have felt hurt or burned by the church, First, wanting to come forward and just like apologize from the depths of my heart because I know that those actions that have hurt you hurt God too. And like I'm deeply grieved by those things. And so I am just so sorry. That's the way the church is painted. And I know that Christianity is in a, in a tough spot in the U.S. right now and all that. I think that there's always 
someone polarizing <laughs> and the church is often the one polarizing it in this time that we're in. And so I just want to encourage you that for one, you're not alone in your church hurts. So many people who even still attend church have it, have that hurt and that hopefully it's church hurt and that you understand that God still loves you and cares about you deeply. And yeah, again, just so sorry. I I feel the weight and the burden of that. Thank you. I think that's really beautiful. And I think it's always really comforting to hear women express those things because I think it gets isolating. It gets isolating, I think, for a lot of women that experience and understanding that it's actually a big system. And I think it's exciting that there are women like you stepping up and saying, this will be better for all of us. I think that's a really beautiful thing. Okay. So your social media handles, do you want to share those so people can find the fun things you're doing? Sure. You can follow me at Young Neighborhood Grandma. That's my business Instagram handle. I also have a TikTok, which is not going super well there, but (laughs) Instagram is really the place to find it. And that's where I sell my clothing and make some fun thrifting content. And that is a really great place. That page stays out of religion and politics completely. So if that's something that worries you, you, it's just a place for fun thrifting and style content. So that's good. And then my personal Instagram is fancy Katerina. You can follow me there. That's where I post a lot more of my feelings and thoughts about politics and religion. You can always find that there. So if Anything that I said is interesting to you, that's probably the best place to to follow me and have conversations and hear more of my thoughts on those things. But yeah, my my business Instagram is a fun place to be though. That is I love I anything you share on your business page or your personal page, I always feel very lucky that I get to read it and enjoy it. So thank you. Thank you so much. This has been really fun and I really enjoyed chatting with you. Oh my gosh, I loved it so much. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for listening this week and thank you so much to my guest, Katerina Alshog. You can find me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Madeline K. This podcast is on Instagram at Not A Backup Plan. You can support this work on Patreon. As always, if you're liking what you listen to, rate and review. It helps me grow an audience and it helps other people get connected with the conversations we're having. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. And until then, remember, this is your life. It's not a plan B.